Hello, hello, my fellow podcast people. I hope you're doing very, very well on this fine Monday night or whatever day and time it is for you right now as you're listening to this podcast episode. I'm your host, as per usual, Azrin, the language nerd. You can find me primarily on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and YouTube, but also secondarily whenever I feel like posting on TikTok and on Tumblr. My username on all these platforms is exactly the same. It is at polyglotazrin. That is spelled P-O-L-Y-G-L-O-T. A-Z or Z, depending on your country. R-E-N. You can also simply search Azrin the Language Nerd on whatever your favorite social media platform is. So again, that is spelled A-Z or Z-R-E-N, the language nerd. And welcome to another podcast episode. I'm very, very excited, as per usual, to be recording this one here. So I'm really, really excited because, as you know, I'm going to be traveling uh, later this year to France and Taiwan. And as of yesterday, yes, as of yesterday, or actually this morning is more accurate, as of this morning, I have finally gotten all or almost all of the travel plans figured out. I know where I'm staying, my accommodation. I know uh, I've paid for all the flights, so that is taken care of. I know the dates that I'm traveling. I've, I've paid the deposit for my Mandarin classes in Taiwan. Essentially, all of the major big, big, big stuff has been taken care of. The major thing, that the, the biggest thing that is really left as of the, at this point is figuring out exactly what I want to do while I'm in France. Because when I'm in France, I'm going to be visiting a friend of mine who I have not seen in a long, long time. And that's going to be great. But I want to make sure that in the 14 days or the two weeks that I'm there, I want to make sure that I, I'm able to see maybe one or two extra cities that I've never seen before. Um, I think that would be a nice experience. So I haven't quite decided on exactly where in France I'm going to, what other cities I'm going to visit aside from aside from Paris. So that's the major thing that's left. And ultimately, it's not even really a major thing. Another thing that's really on my mind is daylight savings time. Uh, for those of you who are not in a country who changes their clocks, um, one thing that happens in Canada, in America, and in various different countries is that we will change our clocks. We will change the time either one hour back or one hour forward. Um, and on the weekend, over the weekend, we went one hour forward. And I made a really, really silly mistake, I guess you could call it. On Saturday night, pretty late, at like 10.30 or 10.40, I went and watched the new Marvel movie. The, what's it called? Um, Captain Marvel is what it's called. I watched the movie. It was fantastic. I loved it. But because of the time change, I ended up getting home at like 2.30, what would have been 2.30? Or no, I guess I got home at like 1.30, but then when two o'clock hit, the time jumped forward an hour, so it's three o'clock, and I had to wake up a little bit earlier on the Sunday than I'm used to. <laughs> and so ultimately I was like really tired on the Sunday, and I had a pretty busy work day, which is unusual for me. Sundays is my one day to have to myself, to not work and all of that, to recover, to spend time with family. But unusually, I, I had I was forced into a bit of a situation where I had to have a pretty busy work day on Sunday. And man, I was feeling really gross by the end of the day. And I, it's, I wanted to bring it up because I realized there's a lot of people who feel, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess the daylight savings time when we change the clocks, it really throws a lot of people off. One particular person I was just talking to like 10 minutes ago, was telling me that literally it throws her off for a whole week. Like one week, her body like doesn't quite feel right and she hasn't quite adjusted to the time difference. So 
I had that, but just for a day, and now I feel pretty okay. Anyway, let's dive into some language learning stuff. We've been ranting about my personal life for long enough, so let's get to it. Now, the, the biggest question I want to tackle in today's podcast episode has to do with memory. One of the things that I hear a lot of people say is, oh, I don't have a good memory. My memory for language is not good. I'm not able to remember all the words. I'm not able to remember everything. It's so hard, this, that, the other thing. And therefore, in this podcast, I wanted to tackle the following question. If you have a poor memory, quote unquote, does that mean that you're going to struggle with learning languages? Now, on one hand, yeah, I think there's some truth to it. If you can't remember stuff, well, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle to communicate the things that you want to say. You're going to struggle to remember certain words and the sounds and, and all the different elements that you have to remember. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I think it's less about a memory game and it's less a memory topic than people think. In other words, it's less about how good your memory is. And I would say it's more about how you are going about trying to remember all the different things in the language. I had an interesting conversation literally uh, about 45 minutes ago, an hour ago, or a little less than that, actually. I was teaching a group Spanish class and we're doing a lot of, we had a very heavy vocabulary lesson, a lot of verbs, and it was, a, it was really intense, to be honest. And the, and, the, and the whole group was really, really mentally drained and mentally exhausted. And one of the, one of the people in the group said, oh man, there's so much to remember and well, at the end of the day, I just got to study harder, study, 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 memorize the translations, memorize the words, and just really drill them into my brain. And I was like, yeah, but not really. At the end of the day, you just have to try and make a memorable connection to the language as a whole. You have to make a memorable connection to it. It's not just about driving the word into your brain, memorizing it, studying more. Not really, because that only takes you so far. You know, it's, it's funny in the whole group. It was funny. I was watching the people. There's one particular lady when she was seeing words, she was like, oh, yeah, that word reminds me of blah, 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 blah. And she would act certain things out. She would be like, oh, that word kind of looks like this word in French, right? She's making connections. And through those connections, acting things out, gestures, making connections to French, which is a language she speaks, right? Um, she and, and having those, she was having a lot of mental images. We were looking through Google images to see what images reminded of reminded her of certain words. She's working smart. She's working smart, and that working smart is something you must do. Essentially, because here's the thing. Here's the reality of it. In language. There are, I don't even know how many, thousands, millions? How many words are there in a language? How many things do you have to fit into your brain? It's got to be a lot. I don't know what the number is, but there's grammar, there's pronunciation, there's slang, there's regional differences, there's, there's words, there's verb conjugate. There's so much to remember. And a rote drill-based strategy, while it will work to an extent, and there are times where it's going to help you, no doubt, I, I actually believe in it, quite heavily, but it only takes you so far. It, it's, it's one tool in the tool belt that you that you should be using. It's kind of like the analogy. If you were, if you listen to this podcast and you heard the episode about maybe two or three days ago, I talked about having a hammer and I talked about how a hammer is very useful. It's very useful. If you're trying to build a house, you will likely need a hammer to build it. But if you only have a hammer 
and that's all you're trying to use to build a house, it's not gonna work. Here, with their memory and the vocabulary and all of that, it's a similar kind of topic. You cannot only use rote drill-based systems and strategies to try and learn the language. It will not work. You have to make memorable connections to the things that you are learning. Um, there's a few, um, I'll get really practical and talk about maybe some ways to do this. Pictures are awesome. When you're learning new vocabulary, when you're learning new words and phrases and grammar, go and search those things in Google Images and scroll through the pictures to see what kinds of pictures resonate with you. What picture reminds you of the word or the, co or the, or the concept or the grammar point that you're struggling with? What picture? You got to be a little bit creative with that one. Another thing is, is acting things out. Act out the words that you're struggling to remember. Sometimes the actions that you're associating with the, with the words or the grammar or whatever are going to be pretty abstract. For example, it's hard to, I'm just looking, like I'm just looking outside right now. I see a wire, okay? It's hard to act out wire. I don't know how you act that out. Or even like a light, I'm seeing a traffic light. It's difficult to act out traffic light. But I will tell you this, traffic lights have red, green, and yellow lights. I might have as a gesture, three fingers, because that's three colors, red, green, yellow. Maybe me putting up three fingers is going to help me remember the word for traffic light because traffic lights have three colors. Do you see you're making different neural connections? This matters oh so much. Let's dive into another language learning topic. Let's just do one more and then we can wrap this whole podcast up here. And um, this one has to do, actually I have a few different topics we can talk about. Which one shall we tackle? Um, let's tackle uh, listening comprehension. You see, there's a lot of people, and, I, and this is really, really big. There's a lot of people when they listen to another language, they're extremely good at understanding what people are saying. And a lot of people wonder, man, how does, at least I've wondered, I don't know if a lot of people do, but I've, I used to wonder, man, that guy, is not good at Spanish, or that girl is not good at French, or that blah, blah, blah is not good at the language. When they speak, they sound broken, they're missing a lot of words, they're messing up grammar, the pronunciation's not good, they, they cannot, like, they're, they're really not that strong in the language. And yet, when you speak to them, they understand a lot of what you say. And you're like, what the heck is going on? And recently, it's occurred to me what's going on. These people that are good at listening comprehension often what they do is they will be very good at hearing the key words and the key parts of the words enough to piece together what the sentence means or enough to piece together what you are saying. It's similar to, I would say maybe like uh, if someone speaks Portuguese and someone speaks to them in Spanish, they can probably understand a whole lot, but speaking Spanish is not gonna happen because they understand enough of the words in, in the Spanish to understand what's happening, but they don't understand enough to, to have the nuances, to understand the nuances of putting the sentences together and actually creating something and saying something that is intelligible or intelligent or whatever, this, that, the other thing. So why does this matter? Well, there's two big learning points. Number one, for listening comprehension, it's not about hearing every single sound and understanding every word and every grammar point and listening on a minute, minute kind of level. That's not how listening comprehension works. If you wanna be good at listening comprehension, often you have to listen for the big picture and you have to try and listen for the key words to piece together the general gist of what people are saying. That's gonna take you pretty, pretty darn far, to be honest. 
And if you, if you hear a word that you don't know, keep listening to the rest of the words. Don't get stuck on that one word that you didn't know. Because then while you're thinking about the word that you didn't know, the person kept talking and now you're completely lost. So you're better off being like, I didn't understand all the words, but I heard car, drive, go home. I guess they were talking about going home while driving. And at least you understood 50% of what they're saying and not 12. <laughs> the second big learning point is if you are someone who finds that you're really good at this, I wanna push you in a certain direction. A lot of people who are good at this listening comprehension side, because they listen to the key words and all of that, really stink at speaking. They really stink at, or rather, I'll rephrase that. They stink and they're bad at putting together intelligent sentences that are grammatically correct. And this is because they're doing too much big picture listening, where they're listening to the, the key words and the key sounds enough to understand what's happening, but they're not listening carefully enough to catch the nuances, the grammatical nuances of what is really, really being said. A great example is I've, you know, let's look at Spanish. Spanish is a fan, even French actually, both of these work. Even English actually in many ways, but more French and Spanish, okay? In French and Spanish, you do not, actually Spanish is even better, let's go to Spanish. In Spanish, number one, more often than not, you're going to omit and not say the pronoun. So instead of saying, I ate an apple, I would not say the I, and I would just say, ate an apple. And the reason is that way is because in Spanish, the absolute last syllable of a, of a verb, the last syllable will tell you who, what, who you are talking about. So if I say hablo, it's one word, that hablo, the first part of the word, is just speak. Until we hit, we, in, until we hit the O, the hablo, the O part, we don't know that I was the one doing the talking. So you have to listen to the last syllable. So what happens is a lot of people in Spanish, I've noticed this, is they will hear something like, perdí mi auto. What a strange sentence, but I lost my car. Perdí mi auto. And they will hear perd. They'll hear that part, which is the first part of the verb perder, which is to lose. And they will, their brain will go, oh, he's, he's losing his car. Oh yeah, he doesn't want to lose his car. They didn't make the nuance that I already lost it, that it already happened, that it's in the past because they didn't listen to the end of the word. They didn't listen to the end. They didn't listen carefully enough. So some of you have to listen less carefully because you're listening so carefully that you're getting lost at every sound and word and everything that you don't recognize. And some of you are listening way not carefully enough <laughs> and you're missing so many nuances in what people are saying and it's affecting your speech and your delivery and your output in that language because you have no clue what the nuances look like. And then you make all these mistakes and people are like, what the heck is that guy saying? So food for thought, something for you guys to think about. Anyway, let's wrap this podcast up here. I appreciate your attention. You guys are the best. I appreciate that you listen to this podcast and we will talk next time. Bye for now. See you.